as you're putting those hymnals away, would you take a copy of God's Word? Turn or scroll to one of the texts that you heard Paul read. By the way, if you're not familiar with the Bible and its language, I don't know if anybody thought that I was introducing the Apostle Paul at the beginning of that reading there. I don't know if you've ever been so introduced, but uh, Paul read from Paul. Now we're going to look at Peter. 1 Peter chapter 4 will be our key text, although I will refer to the others that you heard read on this subject. Well, the Atlanta Braves were playing the Colorado Rockies and were tied after nine innings, and so the game went into extra innings. And the Rockies had a predicament. They had used all of their relief pitchers, and even the starting pitcher who had played the night before. And at the 12th inning, the game's still going, they had to decide should they bring on one of the starting pitchers that would have to play in the next couple of days, or what they ended up doing. They brought a catcher, uh, a catcher Kevin Maine, to the mound. He was injured, was not catching that day. The guy who was catching said, can you pitch? Kevin said, sure, even though he had never pitched in his life. So a couple of pitches went over the catcher's head, one went behind the batter's back, but Maine managed to get out the Braves with a couple of grounders and a pop fly, and then the Rockies came up to bat in the bottom of the 12th. And when Kevin Maine's position was due to bat, because it was his batting hand that was injured, he couldn't bat, and so the Rockies sent in a substitute who had never even taken a swing in the big leagues. And he drove in a run to win the game. Now, I tell this story because it illustrates, I think, a couple of truths that we find in today's text. A couple of truths about how the church is supposed to work. On the one hand, in sports, a team will do what it takes an individual player will do what it takes to play the game. On the other hand, this is not how you ordinarily win baseball games. <laughs> and in the church, members of the body of Christ and the church as a whole will do what it takes to advance the cause. But the best way to advance the cause is not a mismatch of talents and task. There is, in the sovereign plan of the head of the church, a better way, even though sometimes people in God's church have to simply step up to the plate and take a swing. Years ago, in fact, when I was still in seminary, this topic of this morning, spiritual gifts, was hot. Books were coming out all the time on the subject. There were seminars on helping your church members discover their spiritual gifts. And uh, it was much on every minister and would-be minister's mind. So I was a little surprised when I visited a small church one Sunday and the pastor said, in effect, I'm sick and tired of hearing about spiritual gifts. Now why might that have been? 
because he found that there were people in the body of Christ just kind of sitting and waiting for the ideal opportunity of service to come along that matched what they saw as their spiritual gift so that needs were going unmet. That small church did not have the luxury of a highly specialized ministry. In fact, every church has times or seasons or circumstances where they need people who will just step up to the plate and take a swing. Well, I'm not going to serve in the nursery. Let the people who like changing diapers do that. And who would those people be? <laughs> and it's probably not the best way to frame the need anyway. It's not just that diapers need changing. It's the churches want to create a safe, friendly, healthy environment for babies so that mom and dad can join in corporate worship. Who's going to help? Or, better question, how can I help? On the other hand, the normal way for a baseball team to win games is not by sending catchers to the pitcher's mound. And the normal way for a church to flourish is not by mismatching tasks and talents. So the Apostle Peter writes in chapter 4 of his first epistle, verse 10, each one should use whatever gifts he has received. Each one should use whatever gifts he has received. Pitchers pitch, catchers catch, teachers teach, leaders lead. And when the Apostle Paul writes about his, uh, the subject of spiritual gifts, his favorite metaphor is the human body. And it's clear, isn't it, that not all parts of the body have the same function. You can, in a pinch pick up something with your toes. You can, in a pitch, pinch, um, open a door with your head or with your hip. <laughs> but ordinarily, it's best to let the parts of the body do what they are designed to do. And it's best ordinarily if in the church, the body of Christ, the parts do what they are gifted to do. I heard about a woman who um, was asked to serve on the church's finance committee. She was an accountant, and they thought she could really bring some value to this part of the church's ministry. But she said, you know, I do that kind of work all week. When I come to church, I'd rather do something that I love. I, ask me to cook. Well, I, when I, I mean, at first blush, that looks like a cool idea. Oh, very understandable. The only problem was she was a lousy cook. And people swallowed what she served just to be polite. Ordinarily, it's best to serve in your area of giftedness. And so Peter says each one should use the gift he has received. Now, this is such an important part of how God intends the church to work, that I want to end this series on rediscovering church by giving you a crash course on how to discover your spiritual gift. A, a crash course on how to find your sweet spot in the body of Christ, your sweet spot in the church. And there's an outline in the bulletin if you care to take notes, 
five points that um, conveniently all begin with E. The first one is um, educate yourself. Educate yourself. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12 about spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be ignorant. God, speaking through his apostolic spokesman, says, I don't want you to be ignorant on this subject. I want you to be informed. I want you to be educated. And the best thing that you can do to educate yourself is to read the texts that we heard partially read this morning. And uh, maybe you'll find it easy to remember if you do what I did. I said, oh, okay, the spiritual gifts are talked about in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. Read them. Read them in a few different translations and see how some of these gifts, these spiritual abilities to make a contribution to the household of God are worded a little bit differently. And, and as you read, think, what does this mean? Where have I seen this gift in operation in the church? Who in my church family can I picture who does this well? And, and what might my gift be? Uh, I, and settle in your mind the question, are the gift lists in the New Testament exhaustive or illustrative? That is, could it be that Paul and Peter do not list all the possible ways people can minister in the body of Christ, but they're giving examples? And um, you can educate yourself by reading books on the topic. You can go online. These days, there's so much available, including things like spiritual gift inventories, kind of checklists that you can answer that might help you get a handle on what your gift might be. And if you don't find what that is right away, don't give up. Believe the Bible, which says that all Christians have at least one spiritual gift. To each of us, the Spirit has given some ability to make a contribution to the body of Christ. So educate yourself. But the best way to do that probably is the second point, E, experiment. Experiment. Try things out. Roll up your sleeves. Volunteer. Find out by experimenting, by experience, what God has gifted you for. My mom discovered that she did not have the gift of teaching. How did she discover that? She tried teaching a Sunday school class. There was a need. Somebody asked her. She said yes. I think she might have finished one school year before she realized that whatever it was she was good at, it wasn't that. But you know what? Discovering what you're not good at is one step closer to discovering what you are good at. So thumbs up to my mom for being willing to experiment. A guy named Frank discovered that his spiritual gift was not administration. How did he discover that? He agreed to serve on a board. And after a while realized, you know, there were ways he could serve Christ and Christ's church. But decision-making, problem-solving, administration was not it. But one step closer to discovering what he was good at. Peter Wagner wrote years ago, that when he went as a missionary to South America, he wanted to be the Billy Graham of South America. He admired the ability of Graham and other upfront stadium evangelists to 
give the gospel message plain and clear and have people respond. But when he did so, it was like the message fell flat. The greatest news in all the world, and nobody did anything with it. He thought, well, maybe I'm supposed to be a personal evangelist. And so he did what he read about other people doing, getting on a plane for a long ride and opening a conversation with the stranger sitting next to you. And Wagner would try that, and the people would be offended or turn away or bury their nose in their magazine. And uh, make a long story short, Peter Wagner discovered by experimenting, by experience, that God had gifted him in the area of scholarship. And so now, he says, when I go on a long plane ride, I take a stack of books in my briefcase, and I plan on working on the next book that I'm writing. And I pray, God, if the guy next to me really would be open to the gospel, make that plane, and I'll put my books away and talk to him. But if not, keep him quiet so I can exercise my spiritual gift. You learn by experimenting, trying things out. Now, I'm not suggesting that you say yes to any and all opportunities. The person recruiting you might be desperate, might be just looking for anybody with a pulse. But be willing to take a risk to try something different, to step up to the plate and take a swing. I commend to you the attitude of one guy, I forget who, who when asked, can you play the piano, said, I don't know, I never tried. <laughs> Give it a try. Experiment. And while experimenting, third point, examine your motives. Educate yourself experiment, examine your motives. In Romans 12, Paul writes, let no one think of himself more highly than he ought to think. In your attempts to serve the church and the cause of Christ in the world, are you looking for the limelight? Draw attention to yourself? Or... Are you so afraid of drawing attention to yourself that you're not willing to take any risks because then people might notice you? That's kind of a, a reverse, subtle thinking of yourself more highly than you ought to think. In 1 Corinthians 12, we read, to each one, there it is again, each one, you have a spiritual gift, at least one, each one, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit has been given for the common good. It is not so that you can be praised or be in the limelight or be up front noticed. It's God has given you some spiritual gift for the common good and, and for the glory of God. 1 Peter 4.11. Here is our key text again. If your Bible is still open to it, look at verse 11. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised. If it's the praise and honor and glory of God that is your motive, then it almost doesn't matter exactly, precisely, what form your service takes because God will use it for his own glory and the good of his church. 
But not only examine your motives, examine your desires. I love Psalm 37.4. Some of you have memorized it, even if you don't recognize it yet, just from the reference. Psalm 37, verse 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, that does not mean that God is like a celestial vending machine, that if you push his buttons in just the right way, you'll get whatever it is your old sin-loving heart desires. No, God gives his children a new heart, and when they make him their chief treasure in life, he begins to create in their new heart desires that glorify him and that fit perfectly who he has made them to be. And so when you are thinking about how can you serve Christ in the body of Christ, it makes sense to ask, what do you like to do? What do you want to do? And I think this is why when Paul writes about discovering God's will in these matters, he says in Romans 12 that God's will is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, again, there are times when the catcher needs to go to the pitcher's mound. There are times when a church just needs people to step up and do the deed that needs to be done. But ordinarily, ideally, we do what God has fitted us to do, and that will, because he's a good father, match our deepest desires and longings. So educate yourself. Experiment. Examine your motives. Examine your desires. And then, lastly, expect confirmation from the body of Christ. Expect that the church will confirm what you have a hunch is your spiritual gift. The references that I have given you from Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4, remind us that we are part of a body. And the whole point of the body having different members is so that the whole body can be strengthened, healthy, and function properly. And if you're doing your part well, you can expect confirmation, results that the rest of the body will notice and give you feedback on. Good job, toe. Good job, knee. Except for when you close the door like that. Good job. You're doing what God has gifted you to do. If your gift is counseling, people will seek you out and let you know that you've helped them. If your gift is um, craftsmanship, you can know for sure that you will be in demand. If your gift is cooking, people will come back for seconds. If your gift is teaching, people will come back for seconds. And if you're mismatched, chances are that the body will tell you too. I've told years ago the story of the farmer who desperately wanted to be a pastor. He had a heart for God, really wanted to serve God, but he just did not have the pastoral 
gifts. He just didn't have what it takes. But he didn't really realize that. He just felt like opportunity was lacking. One day he was out in the field, and he looked up in the sky, and he saw the clouds formed the letters P-C. Preach Christ! He just knew it. God was telling him to sell the farm and the equipment and somehow become a pastor and preach Christ. So that's what he did. He tried. And found a little church that didn't have a pastor. He became their pastor. And they experienced church growth in reverse. Um, every Sunday there were fewer people in the pew. And it wasn't because they were godless people. It was because he couldn't preach. And he told in the months that he was there this story of the vision God gave him in the sky to preach Christ until finally the body gave him some feedback. Somebody said, how do you know God wasn't saying plant corn? <laughs> You'll probably know if you're not in the sweet spot. You'll probably know that in your experimenting, your good-hearted, well-intended experimenting, you haven't yet found that spot where God intends for you to make a contribution that you, maybe you alone, can make in that local body or in that mission agency. Many baseball teams have utility players who can play more than one position. Usually these are infielders and outfielders, although there have been a few major leaguers who have played every position on the team. The Bible teaches that every believer has at least one spiritual gift, but it doesn't say you have only one spiritual gift. And it may be that God will use you in a certain way for a season and then use you in a different way in another season of life or that the circumstances of the church may change and he needs to deploy you in different places. So don't be surprised if God moves you around from position to position or asks you to do something that's stretching, different. Especially if we're in extra innings. What do I mean by that metaphor? The Rockies in inning number 12 had to do something almost desperate. What might it mean for a church to be in extra innings? Well, you could take that metaphor in two ways. One way is that we could be in a serious, even desperate situation where circumstances do not give any of us the luxury to do what we prefer to do. But we all have to chip in and do what must be done. And um, I'm not a prophet or the son of a prophet, but I have a hunch that in the days to come, uh, the church in North America is going to experience difficulties that we're not used to. And it may very well be that the most important thing about our serving the Lord Christ is not finding our precise sweet spot, but saying, God, what will you have me do? I'll, I'll, I'll make myself available. I'll even go to the pitcher's mound if that's what you want. I'll even take a swing, though I've never gotten a hit in the big leagues. So extra innings might be a metaphor for desperate circumstances. It may also be that we're late in the game, that the return of Christ is near. Oh, may that be so. May it be so. 
Uh, much is at stake as history draws to a close and the king's return approaches and um, he's looking for players who will go out on the field and do what he asks of them while there's still time. Servants who serve ordinarily in their sweet spot, using their gifts, but in any case, serving. Let's pray about that. Father, will you apply to our hearts this message? As you know, we each individually need it. Perhaps confirming for some that they're on the right track because they're attempting to use the gifts and abilities that you've given them for the glory of Christ and the building up of his church. Others who perhaps hear this as new information and who will be prompted to start a journey of educating and experimenting, examining and then expecting results. One way or the other, use my inadequate words to make your perfect word understandable, applicable, that your church, this is your church, might flourish in the days to come, whether we're in the late innings or not, for the glory of Christ in whose name we pray and let all his people say, Amen.